0: Listening to episode ten of Fatalists, a podcast devoted to Showcase Network's supernatural series Lost Girl, now also appearing on Sci Fi. My name is Dave and as always I'm here with Wayne and uh, Wayne, what's up, man? No, it's just cruising, bruising, losing. Destrusen. What are you no, losing?
1: I don't know. I just I went down a really bad good. rhyming road and, and couldn't pull myself back before I sounded absolutely ridiculous. So I apologize for that. That's the brain getting ahead of the mouth. It happens often in this uh, podcast, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, well, that's all right. Uh, it's not storming outside, at least now, anyway. It, was- yeah, it looks like, but you never know.
1: Yeah, but it does skies look uh, pretty clear tonight I think we're all right. The,
0: the night is young. Um before we forget the homage to Ronald D Moore is uh Molson Canadian Light and so far uh the cleansing we performed in uh uh la- the last session seems to have taken at least so far and uh, Yeah, we
1: took the uh old beer bottle, uh we buried it, we salted it and burned it and I think the uh the evil spirits have left so I think we're all right. All right, so uh, you still on your Supernatural quest? I have actually taken a brief hiatus from Supernatural. It's not because of the, the show or anything. It's just that, well, it, it kind of is, because the other night I had a full-on nightmare. I think I was telling you about this you before. Did. I can't remember the last time I had like a nightmare, not like ghost- nightmare ghost about to get me nightmare and there's no question where that that's coming from you know it was a it was it was like the what i remember the dream is straight out of uh supernatural so um so i was actually listening to a very good uh podcast about continuum that uh, i don't know if you've ever heard of it, it i don't know it's liberate liberate oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great one it's very very good the host eh, but yeah i don't know these guys are all right well the one guy's a genius but... <laughs> yeah yeah mike yeah, yeah he's yeah. good the uh, Dave guy's not so bad either. But anyway, um and so I'm I'm listening to it. I'm like, you know what? Like I mean I just had watched Continuum probably like, you know, a month and a half ago, but uh, you know, it's a it's a quick sprint of a of a series. So I, I went back and I'm watching Continuum again. And then uh you know, the only new show right now that I'm able to watch is uh Hell on Wheels, which is you know, picking up right where left off in season two. it's it, it's great. Uh, you know really good show really strong storytelling it 's just everything it's just you know it's it 's similar to The Walking Dead in that every week like everything's just completely messed up you know like, mm-hmm. there's there's very little in the way of happy endings but it's a it's a great show um and then there was uh that the new show on b b c america uh copper
0: which, oh yeah yeah it
1: looked good you know like you know I was kind of, into, like from the commercials i 'd seen it it looked Like it was going to be a pretty good show. Now, did you see it? I've read mixed reviews. I didn't see it. Yeah, you know, I don't, I still can't put my finger on, like I didn't, I never got into it. You know, know, it was, I'm still trying to kind of put my finger on why that happened.
0: Now is it, am I correct in assuming it's like, you know, uh the UK, you know, like around the 1890s, something like that or It actually it takes place
1: in New York City. Oh, okay. So why uh, it, and which is kind of baffling as to why this show is being produced on BBC America. But do I have the time period right? It's you know what, did you, saw, did you see gangs in New York? Yeah, a long time ago. It well, it it basically is right after when gang, so, Guys in New York takes place in the early Civil Wars. There was these huge uh, race riots in New York uh, when they introduced conscription. When Lincoln introduced conscription, uh, is because they were you know basically drafting all these guys straight off the boat from Ireland, and the Irish went crazy, and they and it was really terrible violence, and and a lot of people were killed, and it all takes place in, in this Five Points area of New York, and so the copper is set in the Five Points as well. Uh, uh, just a couple of years, like three years down the road, two three years down the road from when Gangs in New York took place, so it's a similar segment. Which is because Gangs in New York is an awesome movie, and really, when I after I saw that movie, for a while, I became very interested in life in New York during the uh, later nineteenth century. And it really is very fascinating. If you know, if you ever read, there's a lot of good books out there about you know about that time period. So you know, so it's got all the elements. I mean, it's it's well shot. Mm. Uh, the so has act, it just been the pilot. Is, right now, it's just been the pilot. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like a hypocrite saying I'm going to ditch it. So I'm not going to ditch it. I'm going to watch a couple more episodes. I'm going to give it its fair due. Uh, I'm not going to be a Fox executive with with Copper okay. here. But the the first one, you know, it's you know, it's like Danger Will Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> the pilot didn't was not compelling. And I, and I really can't figure out why because the acting was good. It it was it looked good. There was a pretty decent sex scene in there. Um, you know the plot of the story, I guess would say was kind of predictable. Maybe it was part of it. Um I just can't really figure it out. But I just, I, I, I wasn't into the characters. You know, I don't know. So, so you're gonna give it another shot? And I'm, then, gonna, I'm, gonna, gonna... I'm gonna stick with it for a All little right, bit well. to see, to see how it goes. But All right, uh, Well,
0: I've only been you know, watching Fringe, and uh, about halfway through season two at this point and uh you know without giving too many spoilers away uh you know peter's true identity is uh you know the audience is more or less figured it out but uh some of the other characters are about to so well, i'll just has, i'll just leave it at that has olivia figured it out yet? she has not so, Okay. so we haven't had the scene where they uh, have their date and, right. Uh, right so all right well you got any news tonight because i 'm going to give you a chance for the for, <laughs> for the for the big news,
1: yeah, or i 'll read it yeah um you know again uh you know mostly if if people who are regular listeners now haven 't figured out like my news basically consists of seeing when doctor Who starts, and uh, i didn 't get a chance I, you know, I was listening to last week, so I realized I forgot to check last week, and I forgot once again so. well then you
0: might be interested in the first news item that uh doctor Who series seven will Air on Saturday, September first. Oh, no, that's kind of what I predicted because I said okay. they're going to do,
1: you know, they're doing something this Saturday with a compilation. And next Saturday, and I said, I bet you it's a Saturday after
0: that, and right, bingo. At nine p.m. Eastern time, and I guess they're going to do the same thing again. That's going to air the same day in America that it did in the uh, that it does in the UK. So you know that's that's certainly good. And what they're going to do is they're going to do a five episode run, and uh, basically. Uh, say uh bye-bye to uh the ponds and karen gillen and arthur darville uh amy and rory pond uh because you know i mean that's i don't think you know if you're if you're a doctor who fan and you don't know that they're leaving the show then yeah you, shame sh- on you shame on you right
1: exactly uh, um but uh you know and they're, they're trying to play up like something terrible obviously they're trying to play up something terrible that's going to happen to amy because a lot of the promo shows the doctor holding amy in his arms and she's looking not too full of life at that point but uh, you know if they're showing that then obviously you know amy's gonna be all right i think okay now they can't kill her they kill no. amy off that would be very 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 upsetting yeah yeah i mean not like i definitely would keep watching the show but i would <laughs> i
0: would be really
1: upset if, if they did that
0: now you know mentioning uh you were mentioning new york city that uh, the bbc you know show copper is uh, shot in new york city um you know they're shooting um, at least this first episode in New York, which it's only the second time Doctor Who has shot in the United States. In its gosh, what uh, what is this? The really so last year was the
1: first time. Yeah, ever. when they
0: shot in Utah, really, right? Um, so I'm not sure crazy. how many episodes are going to shoot in the U.S., but apparently this first one. And that the showrunner Stephen Moffat has mentioned mm-hmm. that the Daleks will be returning, but we kind of knew that. We knew that. that. Well, right. because the, the, the first title, one. Is, right. Yeah. And, uh, and if you've seen the trailer, then you know that. As right. Well. And that a personal favorite of, of of ours, the Weeping Angels, will be back. Oh yeah, you uh, figure
1: they would be. I mean Moffat right. loves I mean he wrote the you know, the original um we didn't he wrote, yeah, he wrote Blink, right? Okay, I believe he did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wrote Blink. So, and that was the first one we see the Weeping Angels. Right. So no, he's certainly. he's always we've, since he's taken over from uh, Russell T Davies. We've seen you know a lot, not a lot, but you know we've seen the Weeping Angels. Did we see them at all? Well, we did because they were in the the episode where Amy, the, when everyone, the hotel where everyone finds their their biggest fear. Oh, right, right, and right. They go into the one. We're not sure if it's the doctor's or Amy's greatest fear, but you know, the room is full of Weeping Angels, right, right. which is. Almost, pretty
0: much, my greatest fear, and and, <laughs> and Blink is certainly one of our favorite episodes, even though it's a Doctor Light episode, right? So, and this is, you know, this, it's funny because there's
1: a couple of my my favorite episodes uh, are ones that are Doctor Light episodes, and it's not because the Doctor, yeah, Light right, sure. Just, I think maybe they uh, maybe they step up the writing when you know, they don't have the Doctor in there or yeah. something, but.
0: So, now, um, the rest of the news is going to just revolve around shows that are either new shows and and debuting or shows that are, you know, the the first episode of the new season is going to air. And the first one is Grimm Season 2. And uh, I think Wayne and I have kind of decided we're going to do Grimm, the Grimm pilot. Next time, we'll we'll be reporting on the pilot for Grimm. And uh, we don't know if it's a one-hour or two-hour <laughs> pilot yet. So if that's uh, a concern for you, Tan, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I, but well, we're not kidding that we don't know whether it's a one-hour or two-hour. Yeah, we, we really don't know that. We're, know. we're hoping it's a one-hour. But yeah. if it's a two-hour, we will soldier through. And yes. we, we did it with.
1: And honestly, they're not like literally two hours. It's because they're 45-minute episodes. Right.
0: But anyway, it's going to air on NBC Fridays at 9, and that's going to be September 14th for the premiere. Then the one that that a lot of us have been really excited about, Revolution, Revolution, is going to debut on NBC September 17th. That's Monday at 10 p.m. And I used to think, you know, 10 p.m., oh, why are they put What difference does it make anymore yeah. with DVR? Everyone's really got a DVR. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? And, uh, and heck, half the time you can, you know, stream it off the uh, network's website. Uh, Correct. Fringe season five, the final season, is going to air on September 28th on Fox at Fridays at nine. So it's, you know, it's up against Grimm, but again, thank goodness for DVR. Um, yeah, and
1: the the trailer for season five of Fr- Have you seen it yet? No, it is boss, man. Okay. It is oh, don't, don't watch it because you're gonna no, like you. No. I mean, there's nothing revealing it, but you, you know, it's just like that. Now I have this incredible sense of desperation.
0: Yeah, it's probably got awesome it, music it on it. Yeah. It is,
1: it is, it's fantastic. It's really, really cool. All
0: right, so ABC is going to bring back Once Upon a Time for its second season. That's going to be Sunday at eight, and that's coming back September thirtieth supernatural yes cw for its season eight, eight. eighth season yeah, wednesday october 3rd 9 p.m and the network that has shown that it is possible to produce sci-fi fantasy and supernatural shows and keep them on the air debuts beauty and the beast on thursday october 11th at nine and that is the cw, CW. and
1: the cw is did you did you put arrow do you have that one down um
0: i don't uh, you know what i thought i did um, I don't have the date. We'll maybe look that up for next time. It's. Um, uh, I think it's. Maybe uh, I don't know. I can't right. remember. The uh, ba- based on the comic book character yeah. and you know a masked uh, vigilante and you know. Yeah. And we some, talked about Leslie. Who's, uh, who's in it? Right? Yeah, I think we did. I don't know. John Barrowman's
1: going to be it. Uh, oh. Did I tell you? That? Did I not tell you? Uh, that? You might have. Maybe in my
0: head, I thought, man, this is. I can't wait to tell David. That's about pretty this bad if we cause... can't remember what we talked about <laughs> on our last podcast. Oh well, the
1: years, the years wear on you, you know. But, you know, uh, but to
0: be honest, it's, you know, I mean, we, I, I think we, we both w- have admitted to ourselves, you know, we listen to our podcast, you know, usually at least once. I mean, just for informational purposes only, I suppose. But you know, I know for me, I'm listening to so many other podcasts. A lot of times, I don't get around to listening to ours. So. Yeah or else my memory's just terrible. <laughs> well, yeah, I I started listening to the
1: last one. I I'm probably maybe halfway through it. But most of the time I just listen to it to just to hear how dumb I sound. But uh also uh um you know because like you know we are always toying with like the uh, the sound quality and everything. So it's it's always uh, interesting to me to see how it uh turned out when we're using this mic or that setup and
0: everything right and last week uh we were in separate locations tonight we're uh together again so hopefully it should sound better we've got right. got, we've got a new, a mic. new mic though i got a cool new mic see yep see? so uh all right well anyway why don't we jump into uh the reason we're here and that is season one episode nine. Oh, i thought it was to drink most of lost but, yeah, yeah okay right that too i'm <laughs> talking lost, about lost girl, girl. <laughs> uh fayday <laughs> And as Trick says, it's not called Faye Day, right? And of course, yeah. Trick spends a lot of this episode in a grumpy mood. You know, it, I'll tell you, it it was uh, again. It was one of those episodes. It, w- it was really cool. Um, you know, I liked it a lot. I, good writing, but um, again, you you get to the end, at least the first time, and uh, you know, you are not really not sure, you know, what it was about. I mean, and, and there were a lot of reveals and and and. That's certainly good, but it wasn't until the second time that it really hit me that, uh, you know, one of the 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 major focus uh, of this episode was, uh, you know, the whole concept of fate and whether or not man or fey can control fate. And as usually happens in literature. You can't. You can't. No, fate gets you every single time, pretty much. Yep.
1: The doctor, I think, every now and then manages to escape it, but he's got uh, a TARDIS, and so he, and he
0: is a Time Lord after all. He is a Time Lord,
1: so you know. Otherwise, uh, non-Time Lords usually get uh, get the the bad
0: end of fate. Yes. So, uh, for a change, uh, the opening scene is not a sexual encounter for Bo, but instead uh, practicing her sword work. And do we see that? You know, you know how you'll you'll see scenes in in episodes that oh wait they use that in the uh, you, you know the the promo or uh, you know, but it seems like I've seen some of those, uh, you know, and then uh, well, you,
1: you have because I mean you've seen this show
0: before. Well, yeah, right? but I mean in the in you know the uh, either a trailer, yeah, or, or a similar scene in in an older a previous episode. Right. So then Kenzie comes in and picks up Bow's uh, little crossbow. So it's like I don't you know what's the idea that Bo's, you know she's depressed, so she's practicing with all her weapons and. Yeah. Well,
1: I think it's just funny they just have mm-hmm. these weapons lying around the house, like old beer cans. Like, oh, hey, here's the crossbow, the, right. and there's a dagger too, right? She picks up and everything, right? And,
0: and their their place does seem to be uh, decorated a little more. I noticed two matching lamps at one point, and uh, <laughs> but it's it's coming along. Well, every every
1: day, Kenzie gets to go out the door. She, I, I guess, she comes
0: back with more stuff. Kind or, of what yeah, my mom had the opposite rule. You know, once it leaves my house, she said it does not return. So, uh, all right. Well, anyway, she convinces both that, uh, you know, they need to go to the bar. Or, or does she say that Trick wants to see her? I can't, you know, then. The, um, and I'm not even sure if she actually, if that was actually true or if that was just what she said to get Bo to go. They, I,
1: I, right, I think she just said that to get Bo right. go. So anyway, they go to the because bar. Another Kenzie's like,
0: come on, girlfriend, right. we got to go out. Yeah, you know? And it's unusually festive, right? I mean, the bar is usually rather subdued. I mean, Kenzie's usually, you know, the only one that's really making any noise. Uh, and we learn that uh, it is Lash O'Shane, the, La the most sacred of all fey holidays, and it's a holiday all about sacrifice, uh, specifically about the sacrifice made by the Blood King. Okay. And in terms of the reveal, you know, certainly uh, I don't know that this is the first time we've heard about the Blood King. but It, we're, it isn't. They, yeah. they mentioned the Blood King right. earlier. Um, but we'll certainly learn more. Uh, the other interesting thing, it's the one time that uh, light and fey, can get together and, and, and in the bar. I mean, we, we've seen all along, right? You know, tricks explain that this bar, you know, light and fe- uh, light and dark can come in and drink together and all of that, but they typically don't associate with each other. And they certainly can't.
1: Um, how can I put this delicately? Uh, fornicate.
0: Yes. So uh, you know, it's pretty much uh, you know just like that. And, and in fact, uh, who was the character that, that brings up the thing about the World War One truce between the you know the, the, was that Liam. I think it was one of the Kavanaugh books. Okay. Well, wasn't it? Um, oh no no was it? It
1: was uh, it was Beau when she was reading the book, right? Oh, okay. I think it was Beau when she was reading the book, which is you know like one of the most famous stories from from World War One is you know the uh, uh, Christmas 1915, I believe it was when you know the English soldiers are in their trench and they start singing Silent Night, and the German soldiers are in the other trench and they start singing Silent Night in German, and the uh, the two sides tentatively get out and they uh then they step out they go into no man's land this really happened you know they go into no man's land they they shake hands they they had a soccer match they you know, they exchanged gifts and i'm guessing uh, it was nil yeah, nil it probably was yeah it was a stalemate right okay. <laughs> it was a tie and uh and so you know the the minute the, the high command heard of this they ordered everyone in the trench and the next day they uh you know Bombed the snot out of each other, and it was back to business as usual, uh, killing and death on on the Western Front. But for, you know, there was that one moment, and so you know, they uh, they then take that historical, actual historical moment, and uh, you know, kind of parlay it
0: into the Fey world. So, and and there are a couple, of, you know, I guess references that come up in this one. Um, well, the uh, harp playing banshee suddenly screams and now we 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 have a better idea of what it means to scream like a banshee Uh, and and we learn that uh, when a banshee banshee screams uh, she's foretelling that someone's death and uh, trick lets us know that it's somebody in the room and uh, there's there's further you know rules right about the uh, you know who she's wailing for right. it's just uh, you have to be of the uh, the five families so. right right and uh, the five families are, are of noble birth and uh, and the one thing I, and I said to you earlier when I when I talked to you that uh, you know I thought they he said uh, you know the five families and that there are the, or that the noble families and that there are five fey and five human and I had to go back and listen to it again just to make sure, and that is what he says. because right, so, I missed the part about the humans
1: you asked me about. I'm like, oh, yeah. I thought it was just Faye, but yeah. yeah, you're right.
0: Right, so uh, so after, you know, the Banshee screams, Trick clears the bar, except for the, you know, people that were, uh, you know, were of the noble families, and uh, he does allow Kenzie to stay, there, right. <laughs> which... I well, uh, probably
1: thinks she's, she's safe, and honestly... Yeah, the food probably would go uneaten if uh, Kenzie were not. Left yes, it there.
0: would. But for a girl her size, she sure can pack it away. She can. So, uh, so that sets the stage, and uh, you know, we find out that uh, Sean Cavanaugh, nice Italian name there, <laughs> uh, is the one that is to die. And uh, it's always the Irish man. They're always messing with the. Irish so, so, so we see him in what context first in the episode?
1: Well, the first we don't know who he is, though obviously. We suspect because, you know...
0: Because Kenzie's out, hitting out of, on him.
1: Right, exactly. And out of all the characters in the bar, the only one that's really of any note is this guy that Kenzie starts striking up a conversation with. And, and you know, she says, hey, you want to start Deathpool death pool and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you've ever seen a TV show before in your life, you got to know. Okay, well, clearly this is the guy that the, the Banshee is... Uh, has screamed for.
0: Right. Her comic lines were very, were, were very subtle this time, but, but still really, you know, like the one you just said about the, uh, you know, as soon as she finds out that you know, it's foretelling someone's death, Hey, you want to start a death pool? Um, well, yeah, it's a very morbid you know thing to say, but, but, you know, kind of like as many morbid things are, are pretty funny in, in a dark manner. Yeah. And, you know, even once he finds out that it's him, that, that he even kind of takes it in stride, but you know, so I guess that's our procedural this time, right? That that uh, it's revealed that Sean's the one, the the fay to die. And well, There's all
1: kinds of procedurals because then they got to you know track down the, the brother. And well, well, gotta... but I
0: mean that's what I'm saying. Once, once that you know, the, then the circumstances begin to unfold. Yes, you know, uh, you know, he tells Kenzie that that you know she well she says you know well you got to come up with a bucket list or he I think he says oh you want me to do a bucket list, and he wants to reconcile with his brother. So we, we gradually learn the story. You know, that he stole $30,000 from the family business. Uh, do you like her response when he tells her uh, he, he turned his brother into the cops?
1: I can't remember what she said, but she was obviously like, oh, she said, does she, it's like dick move or something? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is. It really is. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, come on, that's your brother. You know, dude, yeah. Like, you're going to. Turn your your brother over to the cops like, right come on
0: yeah uh, so uh, you know the whole trying to teach him a lesson I mean, come on
1: you know yeah well and we see and, and that's kind of we I, probably I don't know if if there's a character we've seen in the show so far that develops so much so quickly as, as Sean Cavanaugh in, in this story because he really at the beginning he's very straight laced and uh, you know um you know and, and uptight. And uh, he, as the episode continues, he really starts to shed off his old personality and and adopt this kind of not just become like a party guy or anything, but uh, you know a person who really relishes life. I think I said earlier today, you know, it's like he, Sean Kavanaugh starts living on the last day of his life. Yes, the irony there. Yeah,
0: and 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 y- y- you know, who do we credit? Well, Kenzie. Obviously. Yeah, right, yeah, right, it's, but still, it's Kenzie's influence. Right, but uh, yeah, and and I think that's again, you know, one of the you know themes that that get brought out is that you know, if you want to word it, that you know, you, you, you need to live your life. You don't wait until it's over to start doing the things that you want to do. Yeah, and even something as simple as. Going up and and
1: talking to that that girl that right. he's said, I've, and he says in the words I've always fancied her and he's like fancy <laughs> like, what's right. wrong with you who talks like that yeah and uh, but you know, that that girl you've you've always liked you know go talk to her you know what do you what do you wait, what's the worst going to happen she's going to say no well okay so she says no like yeah you know, but she might say yes Yep. in my case probably not but if you don't try you know I think there's there's a poster out there like you. You're gonna miss 100 percent of the shots you'd never take. Actually, I think Wayne Gretzky might have said that. I think, uh, but uh, yeah, but that's true. You know, and, yeah. and and Sean finally cottons on to that idea here as as he's facing his own mortality, which is not unusual. I mean, people do that all the time, right? But yeah, when and you're, you're and- facing mortality, you you find religion or you find.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, and, and that you know, you 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 mention it that way that that he's facing his own mortality, and he really kind of you know goes with gusto, and 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 you know, and certainly we credit Kenzie for that, but still, he he really seems like he's living his life as opposed to Bo, who is then you know once she learns the ramifications of uh, you know in, invoking. Uh, right,
1: hold on, I got it. The starts with an A yeah um uh, oh i Ag- or Agula. Agula. yeah
0: that uh you know Agala, Agala. i mean she once she's facing her own mortality um y- you know it seems to really unnerve her in a lot of ways and in a, a lot of cases so you know um now the the thing we you know we also you know even though liam never spends any time i mean he spends the night in jail and dad bails him out the next day he holds a grudge, and and we learn that uh, uh, what did they call it? Did they call it the gathering, or there was something that there was essentially the fay bar mitzvah? You know, they
1: call the fey bar mitzvah.
0: Um, and then and, you know, and Kenzie says something like, "Oh yeah, you know, when you almost
1: died," and and then uh, you know, Sean's like, "Oh, well, that's how they used to do it back in the old days." And right. Like, well, oh, well, it seems like they resurrected it for uh, Bo in this special occasion.
0: Yeah. Right. So he chooses the dark side. Uh, over, uh, you know, his light fay family. Which honestly, I mean, if you've ever been to like a bar mitzvah, I mean,
1: you know, parents go all out on those things. They spend a lot of money. So you can only imagine if, you know, at a bar mitzvah, the kid gets up and says, hey, uh, I think I'm going to be Catholic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what I kind of picture uh, how it went, which explains why, you know, the dad probably doesn't talk to him.
0: because. Well, you know, the thing I was wondering, you know, uh, the house that uh, they used for the... Kavanaugh family home on, Yale. I wonder what that is in real life. Yeah, well, I mean, it's,
1: it's, I mean, they film in Toronto, right? Well, too? I know.
0: So, I mean, you probably is easy enough to find out. We didn't look it up, but, uh, I, yeah, I was just up there and uh, there is
1: a, a big castle there that they used as a professor, Zav- well, you don't know, cause you haven't seen the X-Men movies. No, I haven't. What am I talking to? Oh man. You got, all right. See, actually I was just coming down here. I realized all the, uh, the, the superhero movies I told you to watch, Yeah, um, you should start with the X-Men movies, actually. Okay. It has nothing, no bearing at all on the Avengers. They're just really good. And the best one of them is the one that uh, was most recently came out, The First Class. Okay. That, that movie is legit. That's, right. You should really check it out. But anyway, all that being said, um, the castle they used for the exterior shots of Professor Xavier's uh, um, uh, uh, mansion is this place up in, uh,
0: in North Toronto which is pretty cool. All right, cool. Well, you know, mentioned about tampering with fate and I think that played a big, you know, big part of this episode. The uh, the other thing that struck me is just that, you know, you you get to the end of the episode and it's like, you know, the fae have the same kind of problems that humans have. You know, and as we see, you know, relationships between Dyson and Bo and, you know, Dyson and and Trick and Trick and but you know and and the two brothers here and then the father and uh, you know, it just you know, I found that interesting. Now, um, big reveals, you know, it seemed like we, we, we learned a lot in this episode. Yeah. And that's when you said
1: before, as far as like what was kind of the point of this episode. I think part of the point was there's some really big reveals here, um, things that kind of whet our appetite for, you know, basically the home stretch of,
0: of season one here. Yep. Four left 10, 11, 12, and 13. All right. Um, so we find out, you know, there's something, you know, the five families. Okay. So, so we at least know that within the Fay society that there are, you know, five families of noble birth. And, you know, we don't necessarily know what that actually means in the big picture, but, you know, we assume it's good. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, every society has their
1: 1%, and right. even the Fay.
0: And, and that, that somehow, though, that, you know, for as much as they, um, seemingly abhor humans, although the light are obviously more tolerant than the dark, um, that, that somehow there are five noble human families, which, you know, I don't know if we're going to get to see anything about that, but we, we certainly learned that. Now, we learned that Trick, and again, we knew this, uh, intervened in Luann Heidegger's execution. You know, we we uh, saw him at the you know in in the Mm -hmm. uh, the morgue there, and and like you had mentioned last podcast that you see him at the execution. Um, You know, we thought
1: we would maybe see Luann in this episode, considering how the last episode ended with her coming back to life, and uh, and no, it's just a little blow off line like you know tricks like oh yeah you know. Helped her out a little bit and yeah, that, that was it.
0: Well, the thing is we, we, uh, you know, we learned then that she Luann that is, was the midwife at Bo's birth. Yeah, that's a big reveal. And that's a really big reveal because, you know, and, 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 you know, okay. So, you know, trick, you know, you, you know, so then why does he want to keep Luann alive? You know, well, what's the importance of that? What's importance of keeping the midwife alive? Um, the uh, you know we heard we we see a lot and and uh, well let me just jump to the chase and then we'll come back we learned that trick is the blood king Yep. okay and uh, you know uh, clearly a significant uh, uh, title because we find out as Bo's doing her readings it's like hey did you know or they're sitting in the car on the stakeout. And she asked Dyson, did you know that the, the Blood King wrote all the rules that govern Face society? Yeah, so it's you know, a fairly
1: important position. I mean, yes. the word king is in the title. And yes. Usually when you have the king in your title, then that's pretty good.
0: Right. And uh, you know, we, we see in, a cor- in the course of conversation that Dyson and, and Trick have, you know, as they're talking about Bo's mother, you know, they both are kind of acknowledging, you know, that, that she's alive and that they expect to see her. And they well, seem to have reservations. Yeah, well, I, it,
1: you know, I mean, we've always this since Bo showed up. You know, we know we've mentioned before how Trick has really extreme reservations about her. Now he's obviously warmed up to her uh, over the the, uh, the last eight episodes, um, but uh, but all the time we. There's little lines every, almost, I think, every episode, like about how there's something about Bo, there's something coming for Bo. And, right. and now it's the, you know, last episode they said, fly out, like she's coming. We even get the mother's name now, which is Aoife. Um, and that uh, she is coming to get her little girl, probably. And neither Trick nor Dyson seem very happy about that. That's right. not, well, not going to be a good More confident
0: good, that they can protect her. Right. You know, and and Dyson, you know, again, when they're sitting in the car at the stakeout, uh, you know, he says, says to her, you know, you, you know, I do everything I can to protect you. And, and, you know, she says, of course, she, you know, but there was one line near the end when, when, when trick and dyson are talking and it's it's you know the whole thing dyson you know you, you you know you really should tell her you know she really might amount to something and and it sounds and i'm not sure if you got this line or not i listened to it a couple times and i what i think trick says is that those of us who rise to prominence bring pain upon ourselves No, i totally missed that one um and 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 in response to your, and certainly what you infer from that is that he doesn't want Bo to rise to prominence because of the pain that she's going to bring on herself if she does that. So um, now the thing, you know, to me, Dyson was pretty huge in this episode and that there was a lot about him. I mean, number one. uh, Okay. So we learned that that tricks the blood King, which uh, you know, we don't know where that fits in the fey hierarchy, but we assume the ash is still higher than him, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But I mean, we have
1: seen Trick in a subservient position to the Ash, obviously, mm-hmm. and and kind of following the Ash's orders, so seemingly in a subservient position. But then we find out that he's the dude who wrote all the rules right. for Faith Society.
0: Well that seems like that would have a bit more clout than being the prime minister, right? You, you know? would think, and and, and when Bo goes to the Ash to get him to intervene in Luann's execution, and the Ash says, "No, no, no, we can't do this." That you know, there's too much at stake. Well, you know, the uh, trick doesn't have any reservations. Oh, I mean, he might have reservations, but he you know he takes care of it anyway.
1: Right. Well, I've, and even though I think he he sees the wisdom in the Ash's decision. I mean, we don't necessarily like it, but as we said last time. We understand why the Ash makes, the, you know, makes that decision because right. to do anything about it is going to start, start a war, war. which n- neither side wants. Both sides are very, very touchy about uh, you know, crossing the lines and causing another war.
0: Right. Now, the, the other thing that, that I guess strikes me is the relationship that Dyson and Trick seemed – okay, he's the blood king, and, and yet Dyson really seems to be one of his confidants – well, clearly,
1: the whole time. Um, when they start talking about Eva and you know, Dyson says, you know, we gotta tell her. We got yeah. uh, meaning Bo. And and Trick says, you know, no. And he says, you know and, and they start arguing and, and Trick says, you know, you chose to get emotionally involved and Dyson says, Well, maybe you should too. Yeah, yeah. You
0: know, that was pretty
1: Pretty heavy line, there, right? You know? you know, you're talking the Blood King like that too. You know, it's right. like so. Obviously, Dyson is a confidant, and so we start to maybe understand a little bit better his attitude toward the Ash. Like his main loyalty is not necessarily to the Ash, but right. to
0: trick the Blood King. Right. So, and he says, like you said, the we, you know, not not you need to do it. We need to do it. So yeah, uh, yeah it's one thing to drink with the Blood King, but it's another.
1: Which he does yeah. as well, because yeah. after it's all said and done, you know he kind of gets to hang out and chill and and uh, knock down a couple with the Blood King as well, which that's got to be pretty cool,
0: you know. Yeah. Now the other thing that struck me about Dyson was that he seemed to be, you know, you mentioned Trick seemed kind of grumpy. Dyson seemed to be in this, you know, really up mood and and even smiling from time to time well it is his day off so okay you know. <laughs> it is his day off and but but you know it was just it's day off or or not you know being around beau for the way we've seen him in the you know the last few episodes um you know it's completely you know completely different dyson and uh um, you know he's willing. You know he he needs Bo to help him because it's you know Lash and Shane and he can't. You know they go to the agent, but it just you know just the well, dynamic. He's, he's,
1: I mean he's still helping her, right?
0: Because she wants
1: him to go along, but he's like, well, you're driving, and then the whole time he's like, he's still drinking, still out drinking out of the flask. Like, right. well, this is my this is his day. I mean that's he, he talks about sacrifice. I, you know I'm listening all the sacrifices that that people make, and and so I get the Dyson like, well, what sacrifice? He's like, well. Dyson sacrificed his big day. You know, he's been looking mm-hmm. forward to this. this. is a day just, I'm just going to hang out, and I'm going to drink, and, and I don't care about anything. No, I'm not going to worry about Bo. I'm not going to worry about Trick. I'm just going to hang out at the bar, have a few, and enjoy myself. And what happens? Banshee wails, and he's got to go out on a case. It's just like yeah. every other day. So he's like, well, I'm going to make of it what I can. So right. I'm going to enjoy myself a little bit. Yeah. But I also think, as you are talking, it just kind of made me think that you know, the relationship between Dyson and, and uh, Bo is, was, well, still is, but especially at first was very, very intense, like right from the first, like that first kiss in the pilot, you know, so there was this really, really bright flame. And so now it's starting to cool off. A little. Now I'm not saying cool as in they're acting cool towards each other, but it's not as intense. So, you know, they don't have those, uh, those extremes of of passion and anger that they're going through. I think they both have reached a place where they are just kind of a, a middle ground a, accepting of one another. They, he understands, they both understand that they have feelings for each other. They still really haven't quantified those feelings. Um, but at least he's not, you know, on the one hand in abject depression, on the other hand
0: in a raging passion, you know, he's, right. he's
1: kind of found that middle ground.
0: There. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know i guess the other interesting thing be there's I, I can't even remember whether it was in the car at the stakeout but you know he says something or something happens she's like kind of leans her head on his shoulder but but all of this you know and there's really no physical contact because it's like you were just saying i mean everything we've seen out of those two it's like the sparks are flying and they're you know slamming into walls and uh you know uh falling out of bed and and you don't see any of that yet you know their relationship you know um the uh, let's see what else. Oh, the uh, thing about keeping Beau in the dark about who her mother is—you know—the so it's it's you know clearly that you know like we alluded to, there's something important about her. Mo- is her mother noble? Well, we don't know, but uh, you know, there's something about her mother. So we get this little did uh, little tidbit. Um, the other interesting oh the the line when she tells Dyson again that, you know there there was a lot that came out of sitting in the uh the yellow uh what they call it last week not the femo Mobile. The, the uh sakimobio right there. uh you know she says you know i know there's a lot of places you'd rather be than or i know this is not your your idea of an ideal lasha shane and he's like there's no place I'd rather be, yeah. you know, and he meant it, you know, I mean, yeah. he really did with, with which is L-
1: another add another to like the kind of wimpy lines they're giving Dice in the last couple episodes, but mm-hmm. yeah, I get it though. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, right. uh, he, he is kind of, like I
0: said, accepting of of his feelings and, and reaching kind of a happy place with, with Bo here. Right. Now, one of the other, you know, thematic ideas that, that occurred to me was this whole, you know, again, and, uh, People are probably sick of hearing us talk about the rules, but, but you know, let's call it expectations, you know, the, the doing what people expect of you, and, you know, Sean talks about that in terms of, you know, what was expected of him by his father, and, you know, here, uh, once the goblin is killed, you know, where Dyson says, you know, we're going to play this one by the rules, you know, we'll call the ash, uh, he'll send in a cleaner, and he'll lodge a protest with the Morgan. i'm like you know what is this like you know major league baseball you're gonna file a protest with the commissioner's office like
1: in in three weeks we should have this resolved and everything it's like dude come on like you gotta get this done tonight because sean's gonna die in the morning right so uh well yeah you know you mentioned about his uh, sean's father the elder kavanaugh and uh you know really just uh just you know a jerk like i mean just worst dad ever pretty much yeah and uh you know like he, he tells his dad a banshee wailed for me he's like oh that doesn't give us much time to get your estate in order it's like yeah really it's 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 almost hard to believe because yeah. i understand they want to make out his dad to be an unemotional prick but listen mm-hmm. even the the biggest d-bag dad in the world is going to get upset when his son says he's going to die
0: yeah, and you know this is again. This is a dad that let his son take the fall for uh, stealing thirty thousand dollars, and then tells him, "Well, I didn't know you were going to be such a baby about right. it <laughs> <laughs> and join the dark side." Yeah, you big whiner. Um, just because so, you're in jail for no reason at all, right? So uh, I guess he, uh, you know, I guess he takes the standpoint about the the fa- the wussification of the phase. Fa- yeah, uh, look at these kids. You yeah, know, just. Have it so easy. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you know, I mean, look, Kenzie's in it. You know, a fair amount. Um, you know, we see obviously her with, uh, you know, with Sean and all of that. And I think the thing that that struck me again, other than you know what Kenzie doing, what Kenzie always does, which is to really, you know, intellectually figure out what the problem is and how to solve it. And then you know either solving it herself like she does here she goes and gets you know the Kavanaugh father and brings him back, um, or sometimes she just figures out what needs to be done and lets Boer Dyson take care of it. But the thing that struck me here is she really liked this guy.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Because this is the first time we've seen her kiss anyone. Yeah. We mentioned last time how Kenzie's got no action whatsoever. Yeah. And so here finally. You know she connects with someone
0: uh she kisses someone, and then pow he's killed right away and yeah know. I mean, we don't see her as vulnerable, you know, but that you know the the you know one of the last scenes we see her in when she's really and you know she starts crying right yeah
1: and thats and we and that's such it was it was first of all um a really excellent acting job on Cassini solo's part because. You can see her. She's sitting in front of the. She's actually tugging at her forearms, almost like like she's a cutter or something. You know, like she's messing with her forearms, and that's a disturbing type of movement there itself. Um, And then you know, Bo comes in, and she's still holding it together. And then she she just you see her start to lose it a little bit. You know, she doesn't ball all at once. It's just really kind of understated acting job where she just very gradually goes from. Holding it together to starting to break up to just falling apart and uh a really awesome job of, of us for the first time seeing a, a crack in in Kenzie's outer shell
0: yeah and and I mean you've mentioned several times the you know how hard it is to believe that Cassini Sola doesn't realize how funny she is right. and, and and I think we all agree on that, but like you said, I mean this was just that uh, another side of her that we haven't seen before, and uh you know it was awesome um. Well, you know, we've talked about trick. I, I guess the one thing, you know, the, just mentioning um, that, uh, you know, once Bo invokes – and you know what? I heard it. It seemed like different characters were pronouncing it in different ways, and I, w- I, I phonetically spelled it Uggalum.
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, I looked it up, and it's spelled A-G-A-L-L-A-M-H. Well, I had a couple Gs and a couple Ms. And, but the first time I started writing it, I started with a, a U-G. So I'd I probably say Uggalum, Uggalum. Huggle them something, something like that well
0: you know it's it's a really formal ceremony right and and she's ridiculously has, formal ridiculous. I might almost and, say and, and and I guess the, the again the, the thing that that kind of uh, grabbed me was you know trick explaining to her you know how, how to uh, run the ceremony which she has to do since she's the one that invoked it uh, but that's the you know she's the antithesis of ceremony and, and doing things you know, because that's traditionally how they've been done. Yet she has to do it. Well, and she needs, you know, Kenzie to read the book
1: for her and make sure she's right. Doing and and she also trick as well. She's like, make sure I do it right because she's pretty not used to uh dotting the eyes and crossing the t's, as it were. Um and, and this whole thing, the the fact that she invokes Agulam in the first place. Goes back to what we've talked about on a number of occasions. Now is her super impulsive yeah. nature. She just does stuff. She doesn't think about and it. She acknowledges it. Right. Guess exactly. I Guess it, I, it, I should have right, exactly. <laughs> read the whole. Right. Exactly. Should have read the. Yeah. And uh, you know, and sh- she's been warned about this now on, on a number of occasions. People saying, "Listen, you know, think it through." And she doesn't think it through. She goes with her gut. And um, in this case, it you know it could have cost her, but it ends up saving the day. So a lot of times, her instincts are very good. Obviously, uh, she has a very clear sense of of justice and ethics, and you know doing the right thing. You know she doesn't do this out of self interest at all. Right. You know, in fact, she could have charged probably a very exorbitant fee to to go get Liam from Sean. Because he's going to die, and what does he care? He's super rich, right? So she probably could have made a really fat payday of it, and probably should have, honestly, because she's got things she's taking care of Kenzie now, too. Right. Uh, but she says, nah, forget it. This one's on the house. Right. This one's for free. So is, there's no self-interest here at all. She, so what she does is you know, purely out of um, you know, a, uh, a, a disinterested uh, nature.
0: Right. And, and just to have to do, you know, run the, run the ceremony because it's expected, you know, and, and again, it's sort of like Sean, you know, the, the, it's the same sort of dilemma. He says, all my life I've fallen in line and done what's been expected of me. And, and you know, Kenzie kind of makes him see that he doesn't have to do that. But the problem with Bo, I guess, is that, uh, you know, we can only excuse her impulsiveness, you know, for so long. I mean, at some point she has to learn now. I mean, she's learning to control you know, um, you know the her her succubus nature. So now she's got to learn to control. You know her emotional, yeah, and,
1: and she she's almost like a fay, and she literally is a fay, almost probably an infant. I mean, the Kavanaugh boys dispute took place eighty years. Did you catch that? Yeah, I did. It was yeah. Eighty years ago. So you're like. Okay, so these guys are more than 80 years old, obviously. And we know the Faye live long lives, uh, right. and we've gotten that. Uh, he, um, <clears throat> Sean mentioned the other guy in the bar is is 900 years old, because he figures, well, that's clearly the guy the Banshee is is uh, yelling for. Uh, so, so she really is very, very, very young for a Faye, on top of which she's only been involved in the Faye community for, I mean, we don't even know how long now, but you know right for a very short probably
0: less than a year.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. Certainly less than a season. Right. Uh but uh yeah for a short time. And so she's you know, she's really a, a a novice here. She's very young. She's like a like a teenager and teenagers make a lot of uh impulsive, headstrong mistakes. And the the hope is that they, you know, learn from them before they do any
0: serious damage to themselves. Right. And at this point, you know, she doesn't have you know, a mother or father to guide her and, and, you know, it sounds like uh, you know, while the mother, you know, could show up, it doesn't sound like it's gonna be positive. Um, you know, now we haven't even mentioned in all of this that uh going back to our, our, our mention of fate and being able to control fate, that, you know, even though the ugolum is successful, that the two brothers hug it out. Uh, the father agrees to move the mother's grave to a neutral site so that the dark-faced son can... You know, everything seems to work out. Which we know that there's still... I mean,
1: if, they, if the if the episode had ended then, we would have been like, cool. But as as far
0: as the episode doesn't end... But see, I even forgot that. I, I'm thinking, oh, okay, cool, happy ending. I'd forgotten that he... Oh, did you forget? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I remembered. So the whole time I'm like, ah, the, the poor... But I remember... <clears throat> The first time I started thinking, whoa, well, it looks like they did it. They, they kicked Fate's butt, man. Yep. They did it. They, they defeated Fate. They've they've created a new timeline.
0: And then, you know, as soon as you think that, then, yep. you so, know, no. And the, uh, you know, there at the end, the, you know, the interesting exchange, and I don't know if they each have a, a pint in their hands or not, but Trick and Dyson and, and and Trick says, you know, Because Dyson, I don't think we mentioned it, you're right. uh, Part of the the deal with the Uglum, that that if the two parties don't work out their difference, the person that invoked it forfeits their life. So we, you know, so Bo knows if they don't work this out, she's going to die. Somebody has to agree to do it. And Dyson steps forward as her champion. Her Claymore. Yeah, her Claymore. Um, And, uh, you know, fortunately, he doesn't have to do it. But but Trick says at the end, would you have killed her? and Dyson says would you have used your blood to save her right. and then i think it's the next line or one of the next lines where Dyson says something about that that certainly indicates that trick is the blood king and it's like don't call me that
1: well he says to the blood king and all you've sacrificed right yeah so um so yeah i mean it's 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 clear now at this point and he's got that freaky set of instruments that we we saw before in the Food for Thought episode because uh, they're out on his desk then. And for some reason, he's always leaving these out. I don't know why. They seem pretty important. I don't know what they're for, but they seem right. pretty important. And, you know, we saw before that Kenzie starts playing with him and and, and um, Trick's like, don't, you know, he gets all like, hey, don't, get away yeah. from that, you know, and then um, and in this case, we see him kind of on you know opening up the the little carrying case and and looking at them in a very dramatic fashion, as in you know these things uh, are are important in some way. So we I, I guess that has something to do with his his position. But what the the reason for them is is you know not yeah, clear. I I
0: seem to think it's a more nefarious purpose. But well, they don't look yeah good. They no. look nefarious, yes. right?
1: They look bad. They looks like. Yeah, whatever they're for is, is certainly not for any. You know, it's it's not to help cut roses or to blow up little
0: kids' balloons. You know, yeah. these are these things are pretty nasty-looking instruments. Yeah. So you know, as an episode, I mean, this really, I mean, you know, this certainly stands on its own as a fine episode, but it really kind of sets the stage for the the final four episodes of season one uh, because we, have you know, now that we know that that Trick is the Blood King, we know that uh, Bo's mother. Uh you know, they're certainly worried that she's going to show up. And, and uh, um, you know, so, you know.
1: Well, then, you know, we got, you know, like that idea. Of fa- and we talked about family. And, you know, Bo doesn't have a family, literally, but she has a family. you right. know, And we see right. it now. And they've really, uh, especially since the Food for Thought episode, they've really been kind of developing this closeness between Bo and Kenzie and Dyson and Trick. And um, you know, whether one's a dad, a brother, a weird uncle who, you know, whatever. Um the it's we, but there's no question that they are starting to look out for one another as a family does. And then, you know, that you know, these people who aren't related by blood, who are nonetheless extremely close, stands in really stark contrast to the Kavanaugh's, who are three people who are related by blood, but are completely alienated from one another. Right. So, all right. Um, sounds like a good place to stop. That's a pretty good place to stop. I usually keep saying stuff after you say that, but I think this week I'm
0: just going to let it go. Okay. All (laughs) right. So, uh, so this week, what we had said we were going to talk about, uh, sci-fi fantasy, supernatural monsters. So, you know, like last week, uh, you know, I I think we both agreed that, that you know the first weapon that we thought of was the lightsaber. So for me, you know, w- w- what was the first monster you thought of? Well, we already mentioned the the, okay. the weeping angels. Okay. See, oh, oh that's right. Now that was for Wayne, and, and now for me, uh, it was the smoke monster from Lost. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and and uh, you know the whole the, this monster that that changes its shape you know radically to where you know we learned that the smoke monster is actually the man in black and uh he can take uh the form of you know whatever individual you know not not uh, to
1: throw any spoilers out there or right anything.
0: right well you know but i guess well, you could say
1: if you haven't seen lost by this point then
0: you know yeah and uh well all right anyway well
1: if, if you haven't seen it and are interested you should go see it uh just ignore and forget everything dave's just said that's right so uh <laughs>
0: Um, now, now the Weeping Angels. I mean, that's the, we mentioned that earlier in the podcast when we were talking about the Doctor Who premiere, and and that the one of the things uh, I believe that's season three. It, it's season
1: three. That's uh, yeah. Uh, um, I, oh my God,
0: I can't remember the episode ten, eight?
1: episode eleven, I believe,
0: uh, called Blink, and, and uh, you maybe know, it's the, episode ten. The, the Weeping Angels. Uh, Martha Jones is the uh, the. Okay, the companions. Uh, right, 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 when they're out on the street with uh, they have bow and arrows. The bows and or, arrows right, they, right, which is right. great. It's just I love like details like right. that, yeah. Um but anyway, the weeping angels are statues, right? Mm-hmm. I the mean, that's what we
1: statues we, of of angels that um with that are we with, you know with their their head and their hands which we talked I believe 2 weeks ago when talking about like, you know, like again brought natural like things that are just just scary. Just for some reason, like, I don't even know why. Like, why is a clown scary? I don't like find clowns really scary, but like, there's this episode of, of Supernatural where, like, the, the supernatural thing is a clown, and that's all kinds of scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, oh, yeah. It, uh, that was like when I was in high school. I scared the, the living bejesus out of me, yep. you know? So why are these scary? I don't know. Why is a statue scary? Well, you know, I don't know. Well, it but, just But what is. they
0: do in Blink, you know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, it, it's, it really is, you know, a, a horror episode to a certain extent and that these statues, you know, what, what they do through camera work, through editing, you know, that the, the, the statues move but you don't see them move it's just when the camera comes back they're in a different position they're they're right up in your face they have these you know kind of gargoyleian faces and they're just they really are really creepy and scary yeah
1: especially the one scene where the uh the lights are going out they're in the basement of course which is as we've mentioned before Always a bad idea when you mm-hmm. find yourself in some kind of supernatural situation. Do not go into the basement. Yes. But they go; in, they have to go in the basement because they got to rescue the TARDIS. And the lights start flickering, and it's just like every time the light flickers on, they're closer. And the music's like, deep, deep, and it's yeah. just the the. I mean, I've seen this episode so many times, and every time it's like watching it for the first time. It's just yeah, so and, good. And
0: then, and the great thing about this episode, you know, like if you're an adult. Uh, and you have kids that are you know I don't know you you know you have kids I mean it, it, I mean it's yeah, one they're of not those ready for that, that yet because if if I show them
1: blink they wh- they won't sleep for well maybe a
0: twelve thirteen yeah I mean, my oldest is it will will be twelve I
1: think he he might possibly be on a, a place where he can okay. maybe see but blink. but
0: there's no blood there's no gore no. there's no you know but it's just t- terrifying excellent
1: adult. cinema yep. just so. fantastic writing and editing and yep. uh, cinematography
0: so. I started thinking, like, okay, of all the monsters from the original Star Trek, figured I had to have one. And, uh, you know, then it occurred to me, you know, one of the most terrifying monsters in Star Trek the Tribbles. Do you remember the Tribbles? I don't know if I remember the Tribbles. The trouble with Tribbles. Tribbles are these little furry. You know, they they they're like little uh, guinea pig like kind of things, uh-huh. and and they make little noises, and they, everybody wants to cut, but they just keep multiplying and oh, multiplying. Okay. Oh, I kind of remember that. that, that you story. know, and uh, you know, they basically take over kind the like ship. The, the nubbins in
1: Sanctuary. Yes,
0: like, yeah, exactly. So,
1: which was the, one of the best lines of the one girl was like, oh. you <laughs> want you want you want to see my nubbins, or you yeah. want to feel my nubbins?" And Hedwig he was like, "Uh." Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, what do you got next? Okay, next, well, I, you know, I came up with all kinds, but uh, let me see, the the next, one, well, because I talk about Supernatural so much, and it really, this show is just fantastic, you know, um, which surprises no one who listens to this show, because I say that almost every week, but in supernatural there are these demons as we know from the pilot you know we know there was a demon that that Mm -hmm. killed their mother and that demon they they pursue that demon we we meet that demon and and you know the demons are just awful and they're they're pretty scary but they're just really evil creatures and uh and 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 sam and, and dean you know really um you know they're they're always you know they're, they're, it's always requiring sacrifice when you you meet up with a demon and everything. So, uh, but they're they're really great uh, as far as antagonists, and they use them th- throughout season two. They're like kind of the main antagonists there, and
0: uh, just yeah, a great and I mean monster. you know I started thinking about like you know the X Files, and there were you know a lot of different monsters. You know the one that that you know. Uh, it was like the the giant one celled thing that I think was down in the sewers. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, it was pretty creepy. Yeah. But the one, you know, and this is probably a little bit before your time, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't think you can have a list of monsters without Godzilla. I have Godzilla. All right, actually. good. Um, and you know, it, it's it's you know one of the things I was thinking about as I was uh, looking at some sci fi sites uh, last weekend. Was that you know I should really take a look at one of the old Godzilla movies you know that were just so popular in the mid to late sixties, and even at the time as a kid thinking like okay these are pretty bad these these
1: are really really cheesy yeah right
0: but (laughs) you know but but they are so iconic and uh, you know the whole you know the the Japanese and and you know the the lips are moving a mile a minute and like uh, two words come out in English. Right, right. you know and uh well and you know some of the
1: classic stand-ups. like i mean my favorite obviously is of all time is is Godzilla versus Mothra yes and that was just you know, when you see Godzilla fighting this big giant moth mm-hmm. you know you just always wonder like really what kind of damage a big moth can can do but uh you know
0: whatever right. not to mention uh, i'm sure i'm sure you've seen the short as i'm sure most of our listeners probably have uh Bambi meets Godzilla I think I did see that, but
1: it's been mm, okay ages. Well, just Google it. It's just where he like just steps on. Yeah, p- yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Right. That, yeah. okay. So, all right, <laughs> all right. Well, I got a bunch here. Um, let's see. All right, I'm gonna go. All right, this was this was a good one. Uh, the the aliens in Alien. Oh, and and, and aliens mm-hmm. and alien resurrection and I I can't remember, but uh, the, the second movie especially. Um, did really Scott do the first one? I believe so. I think and did, did he do the second one well? I can't remember if he did the second one as well. But uh when I was uh, a sophomore in high school is when the the second one came out and man those cuz the first one is just like the one alien, right? And then there's more in in the second one, but uh you know they're just really because it's like that completely implacable enemy. You can't negotiate with them. you, you don't even understand who or what they are or why they are or, or why they they want to destroy humans or anything like that there's there's no communication with it it's just an enemy that seems completely unbeatable chasing after you which makes for you know obviously very very compelling kind of thrill and horror movie type stuff
0: um, you know who who was working on the first uh, the, on the Alien movie is uh, Dan O'Bannon, and he must be related to uh, to Rockney. Yeah, I would think. I'm, I'm, well, maybe. Well, yeah. if he isn't, he should be. Um, <laughs>
1: all right, um, you know. So very, very, very creepy monsters. Very yeah. threatening, oh. um, and you know, especially when. Um, What's uh, Ripley uh, has to at the end of the second movie has to basically strip down to her her skivvy. She's in like her underpants and a t shirt, and then she gets inside this uh, kind of machine that's like a, a to for for working. Have you ever seen that the episode the third um, the third Matrix where they're like you know shooting the 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 robots down as they come into um, through through the ceiling? I Everything mean, kind of like that. Um so she's very you know she's not protected she's completely open, and yet this is how she takes she, you know, this is how she takes down the right. aliens but
0: and confined i mean part of right. the you know part of the the terror is that you're confined in this relatively small space, and you yeah. you really don't have anywhere to go so, so
1: this is actually I just remember this this is how scary the aliens are so I was in London probably when I was like around twenty five and and uh I can't remember where we were, but they had like this this alien type thing where you know you paid like you know 10 pounds or whatever and you walk through this maze and uh you had a guide was one of the soldiers and everything like come on we gotta go through here and it's playing like creepy music and everything and it was really the, the whole thing as i'm walking through it is like this is just extraordinarily lame and it's just as cheesy as you can get but it was kind of intense and you know the music builds and builds and builds and everything mm-hmm. so finally you get to the end and uh, and someone in like an alien costume who was like sh- even shorter than I am, like pops out and you're supposed to be scared and everything. And I was like, I'm like, really? You know, come on. But then my buddy Damien just lost it man he like he screamed like a little girl and like bolted and like there's a door right there that uh, the door opens up right into the mall so you come out he runs out (laughs) screaming like a little girl right into the middle of a crowded mall you know just like I was laughing Mm -hmm. my I was just laughing so hard it was the funniest thing ever because it was so lame and cheesy but it just scared the crap out of
0: him So I'm sure he wasn't the only one. No, so. well, the, the little kids in the group, too, ran out. <laughs> but it was like him and the little kids, you know? <laughs> All right. Now, my next three, actually my next four, you know, it's hard to, to talk about one without <laughs> the other. And, and, and it, again, it kind of goes back to the classics from 40, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, but uh, Frankenstein. Okay, you know, the, the Lon Chaney, Bela right. Lugosi, sure, classic Frankenstein. Uh, I mean, you got Frankenstein, you've got uh Dracula, Dracula right? Um, the and, mummy, um, the mummy and, and Wolfman, yeah, okay, you know. And uh, I, I happened to see in the course, you know, the, somebody was doing a list of you know the top you know uh Wolfmen, you know, and I thought, well, Dyson should be on that list, yeah, that's right? not a bad list, um, we might not but even think the, about that one but uh michael j fox yeah but it got me thinking about dracula's and uh, the different people that have played dracula and christopher lee was was one that you know in the in the 70s but frank langella right wh- who we know as nixon <laughs> count doku oh count doku no no Do- that's that's christopher lee no. Yes. Really? Yes. Well, what does Frank Langella play? Frank
1: Langella has been in a bunch. He's actually got a new movie out now called, uh, like, uh, Frank and Robot. A uh, Robot and Frank, I think. I just read about that. It's supposed to be a pretty good movie um he, he's been in all kinds of
0: stuff but usually not really usually like starring roles okay this can't be another one of these where uh wayne is right and dave is wrong well it, so.
1: i i know i'm right so i mean like especially <laughs> if it's star wars related i mean yeah. don't even don't even cross me there oh well, good point I, <laughs> I but christopher lee was also uh uh saruman in the uh in the uh lord of the rings movies as well all right well anyway he's got a good deep
0: Bad guy voice. Okay. Yeah, he makes a great bad guy. But you know, and but those are some you know. Again, you know, and and it's also like the Vincent Price movies. I don't know if you've seen any of those. Yeah, uh, you know funny the- enough, they used. To, I I remember seeing those in like middle school. Yeah, I mean, well, they, I remember thinking, why
1: on earth are you showing this? Is Legitimately scary.
0: Why yeah. are you showing
1: me this movie? Because in they school? made
0: that, you know, they they went through this one, you know, maybe five to seven year period where they were making films of Edgar Allan yeah, and all, the yeah right, all the short stories, and, and some uh, Jules Verne stuff. Um, and and yeah, they were pretty scary, yeah. And oh, and
1: Vincent Price is just you know,
0: creepy. Well, was creepy, I'm, right? He's I'm, 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 I know he's he's dead, right? He's, yeah, and just sure. the visuals. Uh, you know, the, the, where the, you know, how they shot them. the was, pit in the pendulum. I yeah. Just remember. That one was, was really yeah.
1: scary. And that, like I said, I mean, I remember watching that in school and even as a sixth grade, I'm like thinking, is this, is this really my parents' tax dollars at work? Like <laughs> what are you going to do though? So, okay. So you, you're going with like kind of the, yeah, I'm going to go with that the, block. The, the block of classic. Yeah. Mods. That's a good one. That's a good, I, Okay, I think what am I going to go with there's a lot I got a lot of good ones here, and we're, we're running low all right before I, I, I want to get this one in because these are pretty hardcore you know it's, it's I don't even know if we can call them well we, they're, they're definitely monsters and if we define it, but the Reavers from uh, firefly no. Yeah, and people might say, "But hey, Wayne, they're they're human beings." I'd say, "Well, they were human beings, but now they
0: are something." Right. I thought about zombies and how you would, you know, but but that's kind of a generic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like you know, if you say like
1: zombies and Walking Dead, okay, I'm with you there. Right. But. uh, but yeah, the Reavers are hardcore. They are so bad that no one even like you don't even think about it. the minute you hear the word you you run. You don't even consider for a second trying to stand up to them. You just yes. get get out of dodge right away. Now, so I think what we did mention before was Summer Glau. You know that makes you know a River even more of a cool character because in the movie in Ser- uh, Serenity. Uh, she locks herself into a room full of rivers, uh, reavers and she, uh, she kills all of you them. You guys ever notice how he constantly gets a Summer glow reference into every <laughs> podcast? I, if, I, I try to work in every time and I, that's how I snuck it in this time. You
0: weren't expecting it and there you go. Right. That and, well, I won't say the other one in case he still has a chance to work the other one in. Well, I did mention Supernatural, right? Well, and well, well and Doctor Who. And it is a Doctor Who. We also okay. mention all the time. It's a, it's a reference, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it alone okay. for now. <laughs> um, well, that's pretty much all that I have. I know you probably got some more you want to throw yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah,
1: I got a couple because we're only yeah. going with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We got seven. So I'll, I'll, I'll pick three more from my pretty extensive list here. All right. Um, okay. Just because... I don't, this this probably I don't know if you ever saw this show, and they're they're really but the, the sleestacks from uh, Land of the Lost. No, no, you never saw Land of the Lost. Uh-uh. Not even the, the the Will Ferrell movie. No, I didn't see the movie either. But I just remember as a kid, uh, this show that was on uh, basically right when you got home from school and before the parents got home. It was like Great Space Coaster and then Land of the Lost. And uh, the stacks were these kind of faceless type... I don't even know what to describe them as. As You've probably seen aliens that look like them. But uh, I can't remember if they were good... It, well, I, I think they were bad guys for the most part. But I think they had... There was a family that, that, like, goes back in time. Like, they fall down a pit and it takes them back to, like, a prehistoric age. And uh, and then there's these creatures, the stacks that somehow escaped the, the fossil record entirely that... Um, that are always hissing and, and getting after him. And, but there's like one of them that, that like helps the family out and is a good guy and can speak English and everything. Um, and I might be getting the details wrong, but it's been a long time. But I just, when thinking about monsters, I was fondly recalling the uh, the stacks of Land of the Lost. Um, so the next one, well, okay, let's go. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a toss-up for these two. I'll, okay. only, I'll only insert one more Doctor Who okay. monster into there. <clears throat> and there's two. I have a feeling I think which one you're going to go for as being the better monster to include on this. Uh either the A, the Daleks or B, the headless monks.
0: Well, you know I considered the Daleks and you know, I guess I'm not sure I'm ready to put a robot as a monster, but then again, there's no way you can leave out, you know, the 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 alien from Alien. And I guess in a sense that's a robot of, I mean it's certainly I don't know. Um, no, uh, it is not a robot. They're organic biological creatures. Are they? Yeah, that's okay. they,
1: they reproduce by by uh, putting their the the young into the. Oh, that's like right because Rial right, right right right. Yeah, the right. the fam- yeah
0: the, yeah the famous right. scene where uh, John Hurt has right. the. Uh, okay. So the we, f- the fluke man was the one I was trying to remember from X Files the, the giant the okay. giant one celled uh, oh okay.
1: yeah with the the that lived in the, the scary in the septic tank that's so. a classic scary
0: one all right so what what else you got so we're gonna go to the headless monks then yeah headless monks yeah
1: and they were really really freaky too especially when they the one guy's like you know ripped off the hood that was just that was just gross but they they're scary. Because I mean, like, obviously, if the person doesn't have a head, they they can't. Again, goes back to there's no reasoning with them. There's no and and the guy says this. Uh, Commander, runaway, right? Says, you know, you can't reason with them. You can't, you know, nothing. And and here's why: because right, you know, they're not just whistling Dixie when they call them the headless monks. You know, they literally have no head. So I think we're up to nine now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so okay, I'm going to. uh Right, when well, I see the, the whole robot thing, you've, you've put me in, in a bit of a bind here. Oh, no, no, that's um, you know,
0: we don't have rules. <laughs> um,
1: okay, you know, because like, all right, I, I like, I got like Cylons, like Terminators, the Predator. Predator was a pretty good one, actually. Observers from Fr- but you know what? You know what I'm gonna go with? I am going to go with the Urukai from the Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's the one I'm gonna stick with. Okay, um, again, just like bad nasty mothers they're big evil they 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 kill each other when they get annoyed too much and everything so just uh really excellent uh baddies but you know not the completely implacable except for that they they, their numbers make them scary you know it's like if you just met you know if if aragorn just is is going to be up against one no no problem right but uh, unfortunately the, the problem is that they that one dude brings like 10 million of his buddies with him and so they're pretty tough to beat all right so and that's that's 10 i think all so. right
0: well you know and again listen we we're, we're, you know we we by no means mean this is an exhaustive list i mean to a certain extent you know it's kind of a combination of uh you know monsters that that uh, we've committed to memory and then uh, you know you do, you do a little bit of a google search to re, you know like uh, you know I I, I I as many times as I've seen the x files you know I couldn't remember that it was it was the fluke man right. and uh so and uh, uh we won't order them um, yeah, we could just put them out yeah, there we'll just put them out maybe there if,
1: and- uh, if uh if in the future you know posterity decides that we should order them we can always do that down the line, but
0: but uh, right, we well, right now, just we didn't that even that mention thing. vampires, or and you know, and you know, I mean, are are the the fey, are they monsters? Well, that's well, it's certainly some of the under Fae are,
1: yeah, you know, like the
0: uh again for the second
1: week in a row, I can't remember the name of the the bug, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember uh, the the big spider and the uh, we the, need like the a,
0: basilisk. We need a the, big white board, we, we in, here in, in, white board in here in the studio. Yeah, we do this. need
1: some kind of uh, or you know just like a police kind of board where we can put up like pictures of all the uh, of all the the and under Fey and, and then their names underneath of it because when our aging memories fail
0: us, it can it can be up there for us and everything. Oh yeah. Well, uh, yeah, by the way, I didn't show you my my new desktop picture on my laptop. But, oh, yeah. Uh, Great picture of the cast. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I can't see it now because no, you, you can't because you left. left it. Right. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so uh, anything else you want to throw out there? I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah. You know, another good
1: episode. A lot of fate, like us, you know, works well for us because we're fatalists. Yes, and we so, are. Uh, you know, this this episode was one for us for sure.
0: So, all right. Well, anyway, so next week we're going to take a look at the pilot for Grimm, and. We don't know if it's a one-hour or two-hour, but we obviously both hope it's a one-hour. <laughs> uh, we'll take a look at episode 10 of Lost Girl. And like Wayne said, we're hitting the home stretch here on season one. So it's not going to be long uh, before we get to the end and get to season two. So we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a line via email at fatalistspodcast at gmail.com. You can go to the website, fatalists dot podbean.com you can google us if you just put in uh, lost girl podcast um you know we should be one of the first ones that uh appears in your search hits um and then you certainly can get to us via itunes and you can get to our website uh via itunes as well so until next time as always it's been fun it's been a blast later gator